0: Hello, my name is Jacob Jackson. As Daniel said, I am the associate student. Hello, my name is Jacob Jackson. As Daniel said, I am the associate student in God's word and for us to rejoice over it together. Um, I am wearing a sweater vest. Some of you may have noticed. Some people have told me I'm wearing the costume for preaching here. Uh, you know, last week, uh, our brother Ben Merkel preached and he said, you know, I just can't do the sweater vest. And I agreed with him. I said, it's too many layers, it could be very hot. But, but then I started thinking about how much comfort I get when Larry steps up and, and I just see that sweater vest. And I, I thought maybe with two weeks of guest preaching that you guys needed the vest. And, and so I, I wore this because I love you. It's the only one I own. Uh, and so I am, I am grateful uh, to be able to come here and, and rejoice with you. Before we um, get into the message, let's pray together, please. Lord, your word does not return void. And you have given us a great love letter, your scriptures, that in Timothy you say is living and active. Lord, you are sovereign and knew that we would be gathered here today to worship you. And so in John 13, you have a message for our hearts. My prayer, Lord, is that our hearts would be receptive to your teaching, that through my words and preparation, you would do a great work and use a broken person to bring your wonderful message. Help us to be submissive to your word as you teach us this morning. And In all things, we give Christ praise because it is by his sacrifice we have been saved. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, so, this morning, what I want to do, I want to ask you to imagine a scenario. Imagine that you knew for certain by some miracle, God had revealed to you that in two weeks you would be dead. That you knew that you would be leaving the earth and your time here would be over, and you knew certain that it was two weeks. What would you do at that time? Maybe you would spend all of your savings and buy a plane ticket and go to a destination that you've always wanted to see. Or perhaps you would just spend day after day relaxing and spending time with family and friends and eating and enjoying uh, the time that you had left on earth. What would you do? Whatever that bucket list is, the thing that you're thinking right now, I would do that. Now imagine that instead of two weeks you had two days, does that change your answer? Now imagine with two days left to live, you walk out your front door, you're gonna go accomplish that list, you're gonna see the sights. you're gonna eat the food, and your neighbor Stan is standing there and he wants to paint his garage. And he says, hey, can you help me paint my garage? And this garage is beaten and weather torn and the paint is chipped off. This is not an easy spray job and then you can get on the way. He wants you to help him peel off the paint and he wants you to sand down uh, the edges so that the new paint will stick. And he wants you to go to the the, uh, hardware store and to get a ladder and paint because he just hasn't got that yet. Would you spend your last two days painting Stan's garage? In our our passage today, we're gonna see that Jesus did something like this, but obviously much greater than painting a garage. Let's read in the passage. Today we're in John 13, 1 through 17, and uh, we're going to read through that now. If you have your Bibles, you can please open them. If not, it's on the screen. This passage says, "'Now before the feast of the Passover, "'when Jesus knew that the hour had come "'to depart out of this world, around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, And resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master." nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so this morning, uh, this passage is not one where we have to do a lot of work to figure out what the main point is. Verse 15, Jesus lays it out plainly for us. He says, for I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done. So Christ is saying to us that we should serve as he has served. And so what I'd like to do this morning is to walk back through the passage and kind of glean and study how it is this would affect our lives, how we should serve and what that might look like. And so in verse one, I just want to jump right back up to verse one. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Right in verse one, it tells us that Jesus knew that his time on earth was coming to an end. And Jesus was smart, so he knew that like all men, he was gonna go out by death. And he, he teaches us, this. this wasn't like a vague knowing, he knew that he was going to die. And he tells us in Mark 8:31, it says, and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days he would rise again. Jesus knew that he was walking into a hard season of life. It also tells us that it was before the feast of the Passover. So all of Israel at this time would have been remembering and celebrating that great moment in their history when God spared them the wrath that was due to them for their sins and did not take their firstborn. By the sacrifice of a lamb, taking the blood and spreading it over the doorposts, God passed over the homes of the Israelites. And Jesus knew, reflecting on this, that he would soon go to be the better and final Passover lamb that would fully and finally secure people's sins so they could be with God. And he knew that this would not be pleasant. He knew that he was going into a hard season of life. But what we see is that a hard season of life does not excuse us from serving one another. A hard season of life does not excuse us from serving one another. Knowing all of this, Jesus still humbled himself and he served his disciples by washing their feet. And when we hear a story like this, we might be really tempted to say, well, you know, Of course Jesus washed their feet. It was Jesus, right? Of course he did that, he's perfect. Hebrews four tells us that Jesus experienced all the temptations that we do, yet he was without sin. And when we see something like this, we are tempted to think that our lack of perfection is a viable excuse for our lack of service that's the wrong direction for our minds to go, to think that because we are not perfect, that we are excused from service, that we somehow must be perfect first before the Lord can use us. Paul, who declared himself the chief of all sinners, was shipwrecked many times and beaten and maligned, and God used him greatly and more modernly, Adoniram Judson, William Carey, Lottie Moon, all great missionaries who served in a very hard way in time of life. And we know people in this very church, personally, people who serve in grief, who serve with physical sickness, who serve with hard circumstances. They serve one another, not taking a hard season of life as an excuse to step back. And in a great mercy, these people would probably tell you that service to the Lord is not like any other service. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 tells us that for his workmanship, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Part of our salvation is that we would do good works, that we would serve one another. To be saved by Christ is to be a servant like him. And when we serve in a hard season of life, we find that the Lord is gracious to us. As we pour out to other people and to each other, the Lord pours into us. And we find that we are more blessed than those who are receiving our service. If you sat down with people in this church and had conversations, that would be a theme that comes out over and over again. Moving on into verse two through five, let's read that, passage, that part of the scriptures. It says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, knowing all of these things, he, he gets up, and he washes the disciples' feet. Does this strike you as incredible? For some of us, we're like, he washed feet, what's the big deal? For, for other people, you're like, no, it's feet, I get it. That's disgusting, I don't wanna touch feet. This was an act of service. Let's, let's just look a little bit at, at, at what it was like for feet back in the day. So in, in Jerusalem, and Palestine, walking was the main mode of transportation, right? And the streets and the highways and byways were dirt and stone. And so walking around uh, got, got your feet pretty dirty. It was dusty. And the roads were traveled by animals just as much as people. And, and it wasn't like Today, no one was following around their donkey with a little bag to pick up the donkey presents and put it in the specially marked bin. It's not presents. You get my, you get my drift? <laughs> no one was doing that. So by the end of a day, walking through dusty roads, traveled by animals with a sweat of miles on you, feet got to be pretty nasty. And the way that they would eat back then is the table would be really low. And so you'd recline usually on your left arm and your feet would be sticking out, kind of radiating. So you're all seeing each other's feet, they weren't hidden. And so it was very necessary to have a pleasant meal for someone to wash the feet. And this was typically reserved for the servant of the house, the slave. It was reserved for someone of low position. And so it's not the most miraculous thing that Jesus just washed dirty feet, but that it's Jesus, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the one who forgives all sin, who created the world, who was with God in the beginning, who is the word of God. He humbles himself to wash feet. And in the same way, when we see a need that we are aware of, we should also serve. We should serve the needs that we are aware of. It wasn't like the disciples didn't know that the feet were dirty. You certainly knew your own feet were dirty. Any hiking done in sandals, and you you know how bad that feels. But they knew their own feet were dirty. And, And given the chance, they probably would have fought over serving Jesus if he had asked them to wash his feet. They probably would have fought over the chance. They were always bickering over who would be greater and who would have the place of prominence next to Christ. But n- not one of them got up to wash each other's feet. To be in a lower place, to become a humble servant to each other, was something they weren't going to do. The need was ignored. We should serve the needs that we're aware of. Now maybe you're thinking, you know what? I would have washed those feet. I would have done it. I have no problem washing feet. And maybe you would have. Maybe that's something you would be comfortable doing. But before we judge the disciples too harshly and come down on them, let me ask a question. Is there an area of service that you're unwilling to do? Something that you're just not going to serve in? James 2 15 through 16, it tells us, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So likewise, if you walk by the children's ministry table at the ministry fair outside and you see that this very important ministry needs people to come and teach the hearts of children and to witness to little lost people but you don't fill a spot what good is that now maybe this is not your area maybe you're like you know what i love serving in children's ministry i would wash the feet But if there is an area in our lives that we are simply not willing to serve in, it is a good indication that something is wrong in our heart. Is there somewhere you're just not willing to serve? Or is there someone you're just not willing to serve? We should serve those needs that we're aware of. Moving forward in our passage, uh, verses 6 through 10, it says, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Being a a little obstinate there, if Jesus wants to wash your feet, you should probably let him wash your feet. Uh, But Peter, trying to honor Jesus, says you should never wash my feet. And he says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me understanding this was a big deal, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not my feet only, but also my hands and my head? And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. Now, if you are in the habit of reading commentaries and and going through the different theories on what the symbolism of heads and feet could mean, you could find all kinds of things. Uh, Prominently, maybe Peter was referring to the uh, Jewish uh, cleansing rituals of washing your hands and washing your head. Possibly he was referring to that. Well, if you're if you're gonna wash me, then referring to to those practices. Probably what I think is maybe Peter was just speaking off the cuff like he normally did. Peter was not a man known for uh, being slow to speak. He usually popped out with what was going on in his mind. He was usually very brash. But I think that the main point for our story today. for for these scriptures is not what hands and feet meant, but that God himself, the maker and creator of the universe, the one that sustains all of life, Jesus, the son who, who rescues broken sinners and turns hearts back to him, the one who has the largest and the biggest claim to say I should be served, instead served by washing feet. I think that is what's most important in that passage, in that part of the scriptures. Moving through, going further, it says, uh, for he knew who was to betray him. He says, not every one of you are clean. I wonder, you know, I wonder if Jesus during that time, he said, and you are clean, but not every one of you. Judas. Yeah, I doubt he did that. But maybe there was some eye interaction there. That's how I imagine it. He says, you are not all clean. For he knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Which is funny because he tells Peter, you're not going to understand this until later. And then he asks him, hey, do you understand this? Um, but that's not the most important thing. I, if we look at verse 12, it says, "When He had washed their feet." And there's a picture up here. We were at Duke Gardens doing a prayer retreat. I've uh, never been there before. it's beautiful. and we were praying and, and going through a whole morning of prayer. And I walked into the chapel on the campus there, and I walked in, and it was grandoise and, and huge and big. And I took a little turn to the left. Um, and went into this little hallway, and there was the stained glass window, which is perfect because this is a depiction of John 13. And there's a close-up. If you look, it's Jesus washing Judas's feet. And we know it's Judas because he has that little money purse around his neck. He was the keeper of the money. And when I look at this, I, I just think, how hard must this have been? Judas, Jesus loved Judas. He had walked with him for years and had taught him just like the rest of the disciples. And he knew, he knew what was going on in his heart that he would be tempted to betray Jesus and how hard it must have been for Jesus to humble himself and to wash his feet. In the same way, sometimes God puts people in our lives that are harder to serve And we should serve those people. God may place in our lives people that are difficult to serve. Service is not always something that's a joy to do. Maybe someone who has hurt you in the past is present. But as an act of love, we should serve those people too. And maybe those people in our lives are not even believers, which is probably the case with Judas. But we are called to serve them and put the gospel that we proclaim with our mouths into actions with our hands. And I believe that's what Christ was doing. I believe that Christ served Judas not to heap more coals on his head and to make the fact that he was going to betray him harder and worse, but so that he would know, that Judas would know that he was loved As Jesus knelt there and washed his feet, that he would know, you can come back to me, Judas. You don't have to do this. And so in the same way, when we serve those people in our lives that are harder to love, it speaks to them in action that the things we proclaim about Christ are true and good. And so we should take those opportunities when we are given them, and we should serve. In verses uh, 12... Through 17 passage ends. He says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I, then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, Truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Last week, our brother Ben taught us that because we have been forgiven by Christ, we too should forgive. We should forgive one another when uh, wrongs happen or we wrong someone else. So in the same way, this week, because Christ served... We, too, should serve. But here's the beautiful thing about service in the gospel, service to the one true king, is that it's not this wooden one plus one equation that, oh, because Jesus served, then I, too, have to serve, too, because that's what a good Christian does. Rather, when we serve, that we can have joy and take delight in the service, even if it's something that we don't delight in doing that God transforms our heart through the gospel. And we can delight and take joy in loving the ones that God loves. And I I know what you're thinking. Sometimes you're thinking, you know, that sounds great. But sometimes I just just don't want to. I don't wanna serve. I am busy. I have so many classes. Life is so hard right now. My mom is so sick. My marriage is just, I don't know what is going on. We're fighting so much. I just can't. I just can't serve right now. And I believe that, uh, as a pastor friend of mine would say, that is a lie. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Because when we serve, we are blessed. And I I know no better way for us to better align our hearts with God's heart of service than to rehearse and rejoice in the gospel to ourselves. That when we find ourselves in that time where we just don't want to serve and it seems too hard and, and maybe we've done enough, that we rehearse the gospel to ourselves. When I think about the fact that I was not just indifferent to God, but that I hated him with my actions and that my heart wanted him off of his throne and instead for me to be the God of my life. When I think about that and how he did not strike me down, but instead grew my heart to love him, that he rescued me. He made me a son, an heir, a co-heir with Christ. When I think about that, my heart rejoices. And I can find great joy in loving and serving the other people that are just like that. Or the people that have yet to know him. My heart can rejoice because of the great work of Christ. And so the best thing that we can do is to rehearse the gospel to ourselves over and over again so that we can bring great glory to Jesus and can grow in love for one another. Man, it's a good thing, isn't it? It's beautiful. And we're gonna close. Uh, if the worship team wants to come up, there is a book that someone gave me a long time ago uh, that has ministered to my heart uh, next to the Bible so much, mostly because it's, it, he just repeats Scripture over and over again. But a gospel primer by Milton Vincent he talks about the miraculous changing of of our hearts in service. He says, Being naturally lazy, I do not normally thrill at the prospect of work. But the more I embrace the saving work of God on my behalf, the more I find myself embracing the works for which God saved me. And as I am working hard at doing these works for the good of others, I experienced the truth of Jesus' words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I also find myself saying with Christ, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Indeed, gospel-motivated works do for the soul what food does for the body. They bring refreshment, enjoyment, blessing, and strengthening to the doer of the deeds, even more so than to the receiver. Hence, the fact that God has prepared such works for me to do becomes a part of what makes the gospel such great news to me. Jesus was truly right. If you do these things, you will be blessed. As our hearts grow more like his, we are blessed. And so brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you this morning that we would listen to the word of God and know that serving one another is not a burden placed on our way as we try to earn our own salvation, but because of the great work of Christ that we can share in the work of serving his church and be blessed. Pray with me. Father, you are such a good, good God. Amazing in glory, majestic, You have created all things, and yet you show us that your heart is to be a humble servant so that the people who rebelled against you, which is us all, could be included in your family. You love us so greatly. Lord, help us to love each other the way that you have loved us, to bring you great glory and praise through the way we serve each other. Lord, it's in your holy and precious name that we ask this the church said, amen.